Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Just want for clarification purposes, if you hear cows mooing in the background or you hear blowers going, that's because I'm at the Cattle Show. The Nebraska Cattlemen's Classic has a fall edition, so we've got lots of youth here in Kearney, Nebraska, getting ready to show cattle throughout the weekend. And it's a great place to be to be able to talk these markets, and definitely today is a lot about the good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly side of it, of course, coming from these <coughs> soybeans and the trade that we're seeing. And the the best part, I think the cattle numbers, seeing some higher numbers on both the live cattle and the feeder cattle and the fact that we've got producers now in the driver's seat. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more today with Sue Martin. Sue is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And Sue, I, I had a producer earlier this week say, boy, who you, when are you talking to Sue next? And they know because of your passion for the soybeans and the way this bean market has been this week, a great opportunity to talk about what you're hearing in the trade. Well, I think that when we look at soybeans, you know, that market's been treading some water uphill, um, mainly because, you know, you've got the expectations for the Brazilian crop to be 144 million metric tons. And um, then the last two government reports we've had, uh, the supply demand and the quarterly stocks at the end of September, those were bearish, showing better yields and, of course, increased carryout. Well, you know, the one thing we're not, you know, getting help from to be on the positive side is consistent reports or announcements by private exporters of sales to China. Now, our expectation or anticipation is that China's getting beans, and I think Sinograin is too. Um, but I think they're doing it in a little different way. It used to be always you'd see the sales announced and what have you. Then in 2019, China put a ban on imports of U.S. soybeans, but they were still getting them. It was, if you were a Chinese uh, state-owned enterprise, you know, you could maybe still get them, but they didn't want us to know they were getting them. So they were buying them on the board and turning around and taking delivery, and they took over 90% of the delivery beans, and then they'd load them on their ships, and away they go. So they were never really reported to us. Well, we caught on to that. Now... I think what they're doing is they're taking deliveries through other entities that are being reported as receiving beans for delivery or from deliveries. But I think they're given up to China and then loaded on their boats and headed back over. And again, we don't get the sales announcement. So there's a little disappointment. At some point, that'll come back around and it'll help us out. Then we have the weather in Brazil being so much better this year than last year. You know, last year they didn't have the rains and it was extremely dry. This year they're catching some rains, especially in Mato Grosso, the number one producing state. And so therefore it's giving more optimism of the planting and they're getting crops in timely, more timely than they were. The earliest crops coming out for harvest could be late December. And so, you know, we worry about our export window because then we'll be competing against their exports, even in new crop. And right now we're dealing with the oak crop. And because the Brazilian real fell so hard here recently in the last few weeks, they're a little more competitive than us. But at the end of the day, um, I think that, one, we've got to look at acres. Uh, Now this afternoon, and I've not seen it yet, but the baseline uh, acreage should come out and give us an idea of what 
USDA stinking for soybeans and and corn acres this next year because of high priced nitrogen. But I also think that that as we look forward, um, you know, the demand for biofuels and bioproducts is going to be huge, and that's going to command more crush on soybeans. So the domestic crush, I think, is going to be good, and that's going to put support under beans um, ultimately. And then the other thing, of course, will be the acres. But then the last kicker will be South American weather because it is forecast to turn much warmer and drier in the southern third of of Brazil and then on in through Argentina. Well, Argentina is the world's largest exporter of soy oil and soy meal. And so they need that bean crop. And, uh, of course, the rest of the world needs it, too. Well, having said that, does it surprise you that they're seeing such an early plant that's going to put pressure on our beans here, considering that we just had beans harvested and now they're going to be a few short months later having fresh beans? I know it seems strange, doesn't it? Especially when you looked at last year's pace and how slow it was. What else that says is if those beans are earlier harvested, that second crop of corn might get in uh, planted a little earlier, too. So, you know, we need to keep an eye. And it's going to take some time to get that dryness setting in uh, to really take a hold of the of the market here. But the market's getting a little overdone. Um, we noticed that the 1260 area, 1260-66 basis January, was really having trouble seeing the market get up over it, let alone close over it. And, of course, this week then the market finally caved away. But in the... In, at the same time, you had a corn market that had had a 6.18% retracement, and you also had, um, which was pretty good, and then you also had the um, uh, market reaching up to the highs, uh, the contract high on December corn was 6.38 in May. Then you take a line from that, draw it across the high of 6.08 and a quarter in June, extend that line out. And we came up to that line, hit it square, and also that happened to be near the 618% retracement. Market caught a healthy correction, which it was overdue for anyway. So probably healthy there. Again, another market that's in the downhill slide of its harvest. And the commercials thinking, oh, we're going to get some crop now. And farmers are moving a lot of uh, corn to the elevators um, in this last phase. The question mark is, are they selling it? We've got a lot more coming up as we continue on this Friday edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're also going to take a look at what's been going on in this cattle market this week. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family-oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people who provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labeled. Yeah. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing the conversation with Sue Martin. She is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So we left off kind of talking about what was happening in this bean market. But I'm curious, because of the way the beans have traded the past couple of days, can we blame them for the drop we've seen in the corn and the wheat? Well, I think so. I think it's been drag, helping drag corn back. 
but soy meal's been holding a little better too as these spreads all unwind. Um, the wheat market's kind of a mixed affair. Normally, wheat is in a downslope right now in price trend, and then it catches here in November and starts up into the turn of the year. But wheat's been counter-seasonal, and so the question mark is, will it remain counter-seasonal to where it'll catch and start another leg up, or will it, um, or not counter-seasonal and stay down, I should say, or will it move to a seasonal behavior and then start turning back higher? So I think when I look at the markets here and I look at corn, the uh, uh, 555 area to 553, kind of around a 10-day average, you know, no surprise to see it test that. And, of course, the old highs that were keeping us at bay at, when we were in that move to the 497 level for the low on the December corn, we came up hit trouble at 548 to 550. Well, that should try to give us a little support. I kind of hear a little talk that once we get the report out on uh, Tuesday, that if it's bearish like everybody's thinking, <laughs> as like everyone's thinking, then they're, you know, we may get a break and traders are looking to buy that break. You know, I think it's it's perfect opportunities. We look at the and switch gears and look at this cattle market. We've had cattle that for forever have not been in the in the driver's seat, and now they are. And I'm I'm hearing stories of guys passing up on bids in the country because they know the higher money is out there. They know that the the packers are short bought. What are you hearing when it comes to the current cattle pricing? Well, I I've been hearing that uh, yesterday. There was a lot of packers, um, you know, even this morning, all uh, four major packers in the south were bidding 128, and it was being passed. And pretty soon, they were up around 130. I, You know, I'm not surprised. The product has bottomed. You had huge export sales this week on both beef and pork, and you've got the cattle weights dropping. You know, I both not only lower than, than you know, a month ago, but um, also you've on the weekly. I think we were down four pounds or something like that. But you're also, I believe, around eleven pounds less than a year ago. So it makes the appearance that we are catching up finally and getting caught up in this. And packers are also moving carcasses, you know, because they can't get everything killed they'd like to. They're moving carcasses into Mexico, having them processed and then sent back. And it was interesting because I was reading uh, some comments today or some information where the U.K. is doing the same thing. And um, I just thought that was rather interesting because it's not just the U.S. having a labor shortage. It's other countries in the, in the European Union and, of course, here as well. So... Well, I find that interesting, Sue, because we don't hear a lot about labor shortages in other countries, and I find it interesting that it's happening in ag sectors all across the world. I know it. It is. It's real interesting. In fact, in the United Kingdom, it's estimated that 15 to 20 percent of the staff shortage is in many of the meatpacking houses, and I thought that was so interesting. And then you've got, um, you know, a liquidation in the, you know, we went through uh, a good liquidation in the China's hog industry. And all of a sudden, now you've got prices 55% uh, higher this week than what they were a year ago at this time or a month ago at this time. That's a pretty big improvement. 
And so it makes us think that this is probably the end of the road for the cheaper price pork prices in China and exports for good uh, to China as well, not to mention Mexico. And so I think that the meats are probably seeing their, their day where they've uh, broken you know, hard enough and now we're setting up the stage to take these markets higher. And of course we have, you know, when you look at all the, Im- the immigrants that we're getting in, the biggest percentage of them is meat eaters. That's protein and they love beef and they love pork. Of course they'll eat chicken too. But they are very good beef eaters. I found it interesting, too, as we wrap this up, that South Korea led the list when it came to export nations purchasing U.S. beef. Yes, it did. And, you know, South Korea used to be a a major buyer of of U.S. beef. So it's nice to see them back. Very much so. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And y'all have a great day. All right. Thanks so much. Sue Martin's been joining us. Don't forget, you can catch Sue Martin along with Don Rose coming up on our Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup on our social media platforms later today into the weekend. But this is the Fontenelle Final Bell. being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.